0: So if you have your Bibles, the book of Genesis chapter 18, I'll ask you to stand to your feet. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord... In case you're wondering who it was, who are those three? My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye, your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, After I am waxed old shall I have pleasure my Lord, being old also, and the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee. And according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men arose from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet... Before the Lord. Now look at me. Abraham began to pray. He said, Lord, if there's 50 righteous in Sodom, will you spare it? God said, I'll spare it for 50. Abraham said, Lord, would you spare it for 45? I'll spare it for 45. Lord, would you spare it for 40? I'll spare it for 40. Lord, would you spare it for 30? I'll spare it for 30. Lord, would you spare it for 20? I'll spare it for 20. Verse 32. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way. And as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. I want to preach on this thought today. Faith's friend. Faith's friend. Did you know the Bible says in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 23, that Abraham was called the friend of God? Father, would you help us today to preach the word in the power and in the demonstration of your Holy Spirit? And for your help, we ask, give us enlightenment, understanding. Help us today physically and spiritually, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I believe this is probably one of the most unusual passages in all the Word of God. If you look at the very first of this text, God shows up at the home of Abraham. I think if I could title it something on my own, I would say it's the day that God came by the home of His friend. God came to visit His friend. And there's something about having a friend that you just feel comfortable enough to visit with and to sit down with and be at home with. And that's what's happening here in Abraham's life. It is a wonder to me that the God of the universe would look and consider Abraham as his friend and God would come by to visit him. Now it is a blessing that God would ever visit his children. It is a blessing that God would visit with you and I. It's amazing to me today but I feel like that in here today we plan on singing two or three songs and a special and preach. But I believe God's come amongst us today and been visiting His children. Amen. It's a blessing when you get down on your knees in the prayer closet and God gets in there with you and comes by to visit. It's a blessing when you're in the hospital and all of the, the, the health is breaking down and you're worried and God comes by and just begins to help you It's amazing when you get in a service like this and God just begins to show up and show out. It's amazing when you get on your knees and begin to call upon Him how He brings your eyes to tears and grabs a hold of your heart and He begins to love on you and sit down with you as a friend. I'm telling you, it overwhelms me to see God touching the lives of His children, giving them encouragement, saving souls. Thank God for it. Amen. I appreciate what a blessing. I thought about some of the divine visitations of God. I could go through a bunch of when God moved in. I had some illustrations I want to give. But I just begin to think about how God's moved in. The presence and the power of God upon services that we've had here. And I want to say this. There are times when I feel Him more greater than I do at other times. There are times that I don't feel Him like I do some other times. There are times, though, when He comes by real close, like today it makes my heart burn. (laughs) I've seen God just take over services now. I begin to think, I'm trying to move on. What was it then about Abraham that made God feel comfortable enough to come by his house to visit as a friend? You see, I don't want to live on what God's done in the past. Man, we've seen God save 23 at a time. We've we've seen God do miraculous things. But I want God to visit me today. I want God to be comfortable enough to come by my house and visit. Now, you may say, Preacher Darren, I'm not saved. And I'd like for him to come visit. All you have to do is call on him. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He'd come by to visit you right on the spot. We've seen that over and over again this week. And I've experienced it myself. But as a Christian, what are the conditions in my life, in my home, that need to be, that need to be met for God to come by and visit? Number one, I see in these, uh, look at verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre and he sat in the tent door. The tent door. The word tent. Did you know it occurs five times in this chapter? It's in verse 1. It's in verse 2. It's in verse 6. It's in verse 9. It's in verse 10. Preacher, what is it about a tent? Well, a tent is a cloth structure that can be put up or can be taken down and, and it can be moved very quickly. Abraham, of course, is living in a tent. It's not a house with bricks and mortar and wood and shingles. He's living in a tent. That tent tells me something about Abraham today. Preacher and Aaron, I'm not living in a tent. If you're telling me I've got to live in a tent. Abraham was the richest man alive in his day. Being the wealthiest man alive, he could have lived anywhere he wanted. And he could have lived in any structure that he wanted. But he chose to live in a tent. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This is what I believe we can ascertain by Abraham. He had a stranger's heart. He said, this world is not my home. I'm not putting down roots here. I'm not making my investments here. I'm a pilgrim passing through this land on my way to another country. And because he felt that he was a citizen of another country, God, being the king of that country, felt close enough to him to come by and visit with him in his home because he had a stranger's heart. He's got his heart set. His view is on another country. He's laying up his treasures somewhere else. Hey, he says, I'm going to keep moving my tent In this wilderness, until I find a place that I feel like I can call home. And in this world, children, we'll never have a place that we can call home. Oh, you may have a house you live in here, but you know that that's just temporary. We know we're on our way to live permanently in a land called heaven. I've got a brother there. I've got grandparents there. I've got some old preacher friends there. But most of all I've got one named Jesus who gave his life for me and he's there and my heart is set. thank God this world is not my home. You see God is pleased to come by when you have a heart like Abraham and that is a stranger's heart. The Bible says in Matthew six nineteen, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and neither thieves do break through nor steal. I was watching one of them uh, TV shows uh, about houses. Y'all ever watch them? HGTV, you know, they we're going to flip this house or we're going to buy our our dream home or whatever and these people they wanted to live on an island and they were they purchased that land there and going to build a house and while it's not big enough for an airport that little by little they got to take things over by boat if you're going to get to be able to build on this really nice island this very remote location and I kept watching that and I was just amazed that they'd send this forward and they'd send this forward. And God started working in my heart and saying, listen, your home is not here either. You're gonna go to a remote location, amen, where the joy and the presence of the Almighty, the one who gave his life for me, is there. It is a beautiful place, glory to God. It's a place where there's more pleasure than this world has ever known or ever seen. And every day, Amen, by faith, I'm laying up my treasures there that one day I can be where Jesus is. Amen. Do you have a stranger's heart? There's a place I'm talking about that has no more death. It has no more sorrow. It has no more tears. It, has Lord I God, it has no more pain. Thank God for a place that's beyond this veil of tears called heaven, called home. But while we're here, there may be a time or two the Lord comes by to visit with us in our home because we have a stranger's heart saying my heart is fixed, I'm simply passing through, amen. Now we see the word tent five times. We also see in verse number four, look with me, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Now think about it. Here is Abraham, he's 99 years young and in the heat of the day, When nobody can do any work, not even the servants, he's sitting in the tent door to receive a good breeze that day, and suddenly, out of nowhere, three men appear. They just, poop, there they are, start walking up, And Abraham, the Bible said, 99 years old in the heat of the day, but he ran to meet them. And the Bible says he fell on his face and he even called him Lord. That's with a capital L. Y'all look in your Bible, make sure I got it right. It's with a capital L. It's Adonai. That's what the word is in the Hebrew. He's reverencing him as God. Do you realize we have sometimes entertained strangers and their angels unawares? that God has brought into our lives. I don't have time to preach that message, but it's just amazing what God does. And I'm telling you, he shows up there at Abraham's house that day, and when Abraham gets there, he runs, falls on his face in verse 3. Verse 4, he says, hey, let's get a little water and wash your feet and rest yourselves under a tree. Now, the word tree occurs again in verse number 8. So I begin to think about that word tree. In this text, the Bible says that Abraham... Being the wealthiest man alive, he says, you stand underneath this tree until you can, we wash your feet and rest yourselves. And he goes running back to his wife, Sarah. She's 89. He says, Sarah, honey, darling, would you get three fine measures of, uh, of meal together? And would you fix us some cakes of bread? She gets to work. He runs, he's running, he's still running. He runs out into the field. He fetched a tender calf. He brings it to a young man. He says, you need to get this ready. We've got guests, we've got visitors. And I'm telling you, the, the young man just picked up on what, his, on what his master wanted and he began to move quickly and he prepared that calf. Now look with me in verse number 8. He took butter and milk and the calf which he dressed, and he set it before him. And my Bible says, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Now, we're talking about Abraham, the wealthiest, probably the greatest man of his day, who's got a stranger's heart. God's come by to visit. And now, here's these three, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There they are. And I'm just, oh, glory to God, or maybe God really and two angels. And there they are, and Abraham bows down, and he he begins to give them food. And my Bible said, he doesn't eat with them. The Bible says, look with me, verse 8. Look, just I want to make sure I say it right. says, he stood by them under the tree. The wealthiest, greatest man alive became a servant. Do you have a servant's heart? A servant of God's heart. Abraham, here he is saying, Lord, I'm giving you the best I have. And as he stands there as a servant, he says, Lord, is there anything else that you need? Lord, do you need more milk? Do you need more bread? Lord, do you need more meat? Lord, I'll do anything. You're the great one here. I know my place. My job is to serve you. Lord, what else can I do? Just point the way. Anything you want, I will do whatever you want. Can you say that today? Can you say the wealthiest and greatest people alive today? Can you say, Lord, just show me what to do. Point me the way. I'll do it. Some of you may come in here today and say, well, I am a servant of God. You'll find that that is true. But oftentimes, you will spend more of your time in life serving others in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's the way he wants it done. He wants you to serve just like that. Now, why would God feel at home with Abraham when he's got a stranger's heart? I see that. Why would God feel at home with Abraham when he have a servant's heart? Listen to me. The Bible tells us that God occupies a throne and on his right-hand side is his son, Jesus. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, that means to be be served, but he came to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Here's what he said. The son says, Father, I'm not come to this earth for for the people to serve me, I'm come to serve them. And if in heaven Jesus is a servant, oh, God's going to feel right at home. When people are serving him, amen. I watched y'all in Bible school this week. I watched y'all smile and trying to serve and be a blessing one to another. I want to say this to you, Bethel. You want God to come by this church? You want him to meet with your young people as he has? You've got to have a stranger's heart. This world is not your home. You're on your way to heaven. And you've got to have a servant's heart. You've got to be willing to love each other and serve each other. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how rich you are. You've got to learn to serve one another. Have you ever been, I'm not picking on anybody, but have you ever been to a restaurant and received bad service? I won't go into details, but I sure have seen some bad service in my days. Sometimes I even said, Boy, well, I don't know if I want to go back there. I might not get my tea glass filled anymore. And I am paying about $3 a glass. I'd like to have a little more when I get thirsty. Amen? Amen. One time we went to go get, a, I think, a piece of pie or something. And they said, Well, bring, and it took them. I mean, finally I said, Hey, where's my piece of pie? And the people come and said, Oh, your server, they got their, their shift ended and they left. I've also had some good service. I mean, there's been times that if I took a sip of tea, buddy, this, right back to it. hey, you want any more of this? You want my pleasure, my privilege. I mean, it was almost like they was glad I came by their place of business. They was glad to serve me. And I thought, let it be like that at Bethel. Let us get to the point to where we look at each other and say, it's my pleasure to serve you. It's my pleasure to pray with you. It's my pleasure to visit with you. It's my pleasure to get in the honor and call on the God of all glory together, amen. Honey, we'd do well at Bethel if we would learn to have servants' hearts. Amen. Now, we've seen the word tent and we've seen the word tree And I just want to say, you and I would be well advised to remember that God feels at home amongst His glad servants. Now, I'm looking at verse number 10, and this one grabbed my attention too. Now, they're there to visit, and they ask where Sarah was, and Abraham says she's still in the tent. Now, now let me say this, time out. Everything Sarah has received... From God, information, any, any news, any details, she always got it second-handed. God shared it with Abraham, and Abraham shared it with his wife. You may say, I'm mad, preacher, you're making me. That's just what's happened so far. But now God's come by to visit, and they say, where is your wife? He said, she's in the tent. Now listen, verse number 10. He said, I will certainly return unto thee, according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. Now she's, how many of y'all know she's 89 years old? Grandma's gonna have a baby. Grandpa's gonna be in in the, 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 the ward with them, the paternity ward. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. The Bible says in verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. Verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Our word is time. God came by to visit because Abraham had a stranger's heart. God came by to visit because Abraham had a servant's heart and God's come by to visit, I believe, because Abraham has a settled heart. Now let's think for a minute. The word time, I'm interested in it because it has an effect on Sarah, she's 89. It has an effect on Abraham, he's 99. And may I just say that time has an effect on you and I as well. God had made them a promise 25 years before this, which was taking some time to develop, some time to be fulfilled. I'm talking to somebody today. Time has become a concern to you. What did time, what does time mean to you? What did time mean to Sarah? God said at the time appointed, according to the text in verse 14, Sarah laughed in ridicule in unbelief, in scorn, and in mockery. Her mind said this. God said, time? It's too late. It's past time. I know what he promised, but it's too late. Sarah thought time has run out. There's no way I could have a child when i 89 years old. I've seen the doctors. I know better than this. She thinks the time of life is over. And God rebukes her for it. ask you a question. What does the word time mean to you when God gives you a promise? Is there a question that comes into your heart that somehow God has missed the time of your life? Lord, I've been praying and I need it now. That's time. I need it yesterday. That's time. I really need this by the end of the week. That's time. God It's not on your timetable. You remember Lazarus? When Jesus was four days late, found out he could call him back to life, he's still on time, amen? What does time mean to Sarah? What does time mean to God? Nothing. Our God is not bound by time. He has his own time schedule. God is not concerned about your time. The thing about God is He's concerned about timing. He lines everything up. You and I would do well this morning if we would learn to say, God, I'm going to wait on you. If you want me to wait till it's time, God, I'm just going to wait. Give me grace to wait. What does time mean to Abraham? In these verses, and I've read it once and I've kind of went over it, skimmed it the second time. When I see that God says, according to the time of life, Sarah's going to have a son. Sarah laughed. I don't see Abraham saying a word. Look, Abraham didn't say a word. That's interesting. He kept his mouth shut. He did not say one single thing. He didn't say it's too late. He didn't say it's too soon. He's learned his lesson sometime back. He's learned, I think I better learn just to wait on God, just to take God at his word imagine this morning that if I come to visit you and I sit down with you and I share something God laid on my heart and said God said he's going to do such and such for you and I've come to you as a friend and you sat there and said there's no way, I doubt that. you're crazy preacher there's absolutely no way this could ever happen for me I probably wouldn't feel very welcome the next time I come back to your house if you're doubting every promise I give you, if you're questioning and you have to have uh, more more, uh, more uh, intelligence about what's going on, I'm probably not going to feel very at home with you. If you say, well, what about this and what about that? And I need to know the details and I need an explanation. You need to learn to say this, God, Okay. You've never been wrong before and I don't think you're going to be wrong now. Lord, I'm just going to keep trusting you. Lord, you've never failed me one time. It's never happened. So Lord, I'm just going to keep my mouth closed. Now I'm done right here. God was at home with Abraham because he had a stranger's heart. God was at home with Abraham because he has a servant's heart. God was at home with Abraham because he had a settled heart. He's not doubting anymore. So look now, the Lord and his two angels are ready to leave Abraham's house. And verse 17 says, the Lord says, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? God said, I'm not going to hide from Abraham what I'm going to do. You know why? Because Abraham is my friend. Verse 19, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. You know what God's getting ready to do? God is getting ready to destroy Sodom. The two angels trail on and the Lord keeps standing there with Abraham and Abraham starts communicating and interceding and praying and seeking God's face as the other two went on. Upon hearing the news, verse 22, Abraham stood yet before the Lord. You understand this thing about being the friend of God? This thing about being at home or God being at home with you? It's not about him just blessing you. Unfortunately, he shares the news that Sodom is going to be destroyed. But I want to say this that Sodom was not destroyed because it was too wicked to spare. It was destroyed because there was not enough people that loved God to keep it from being destroyed. I heard some some people say Ooh, think about that statement. Oh, preacher, they're so wicked, they're so wicked. They were destroyed because they didn't have enough people that truly loved God. Sodom was not destroyed because of an overabundance of evil. It was destroyed because of a lack of good. America will not be destroyed Because of an overabundance of evil. You're worried about all these things. But America will be destroyed because God can't find anybody that's serving Him. He can't find the people that He's at home with. Does God feel at liberty to be at home with you? It is not the crowd out there that's going to cause us to be destroyed y'all looking at me it's what's going on in here it's us if God could just find ten people ten people who wanted to serve God that were righteous in a whole city can you imagine how many churches were in Sodom and he couldn't find not ten churches ten people God would have spared the land for ten people I'm telling you it breaks my heart this morning oh yes I'm a servant of God that's good but God's really pleased when I'm serving others and as I serve others I'm serving him and yesterday as I sat there studying and I try to get up maybe I take the dog outside to get a break and come back and God give me the thought about how Sodom was destroyed because he couldn't find good there. Destroyed because he couldn't find people who loved God there. And I thought about, in America, in Bethel, are there 10 people that could truly say, you know what, it's not just a put on. It's not just a show. Are those tears real? Is that burden real? Is your walk with Jesus Christ real? He's looking for somebody, Bethel, that he can visit as a friend. Somebody that he can be at home with. May I say this morning, I want God to come by and visit my home. I want God to be pleased to come by and visit at Bethel where I worship. But he's only going to come by if we have the mindset that I have a stranger's heart. I have a better place to go. I'm not meant to stay here. He's only pleased if I have a servant's heart that I put others before myself. He's only pleased if I have a settled heart and I walk with him by faith without questioning everything he does in my life. Will you stand to your feet this morning? I want to make sure that God is comfortable when he comes by my place this morning Oh well, Seth would you come play Maybe there's somebody In the stillness of the moment You'd come to this old fashioned say, Oh God settle my heart Oh God help me have that servant's heart Oh God help me this morning Lord That I have that stranger's heart Father Maybe there's somebody say God I want you to please to come by Be pleased to come by the church Where I worship Listen, I'm asking you as a pastor, as your pastor for this moment, would you come to the altar and say, oh God, would you be pleased to come by business one more time at Bethel? God, would you still save souls there? Would you reclaim backsliders, oh God? Would you feel comfortable, Lord, in my home? It's not about how clean it is. It's about this morning you having a desire to walk with Him. Folks still coming. Would you come this morning? We're going to pray together. Father, this morning, on bended knee and with a reverent heart, God, we confess to you that we're too worldly-minded for any heavenly good. God, forgive us, Lord. Help us to realize, Father, look around. Thank you, Jesus, that this world is not as good as it gets, that I'm a pilgrim and a stranger passing through this land on my way to a permanent residence on the hilltops of glory with my Savior. Thank you, Father. Help me, Lord, to have that stranger's heart and that stranger's attitude about things. And God, I confess to you, I often have not had that servant's heart. I've tried to take care of me and mine and my father. But God, please help us, Lord, to have a servant's heart And God, I think about how many questions and how many doubts and how many concerns and how many times, Lord, I've not trusted you as you wanted me to. Oh, God, how would you possibly give me special revelations when, God, I don't believe and don't trust everything you tell me. God, forgive me, Lord, I pray. And help me, God, from this point on, Lord, to have a firm, established walk with You, God, that where You feel comfortable stopping by to visit my home and my place of worship. Help us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.